0: Hey y'all, Scott here. Poverty, no thanks. I have my favorite way to spend a grand right here and it has all my favorite console games available on it. There are so many great console games to play here. I can play Sonic. Ready, I'm about to show you something terrifying. I already pissed myself. The idea of having one singular product that can do really anything you want, play movies, music, go online, make calls, send text messages and play video games was something dreams were made of. I don't need a DVD player, iPod or physician because the smartphone does it all. Yes, iPhone, Android, Windows phone. Smartphones were cool back in the day, especially when they were more of a luxury rather than a necessity. Yeah, this thing has a 12 megapixel camera. Who gives a Pretty obvious we take all this for granted now, but back then the idea of having something this tiny just to watch movies on was mind blowing. I remember seeing the first iPhone commercials, and I was like, "This looks absolutely amazing!" It starts at five hundred dollars. That's hilarious. Like, no thanks. I don't need to touch Fandango. However, uh, these things started to get way more affordable as time went on. I was personally weaned on an iPod Touch, the classic iPhone without the phone, i.e., the iPhone for an eighth grader. This thing was awesome. I could play all these movies and TV shows and songs, and download all these apps and games. But with smart Phones lowering in cost, I was finally able to get an iPhone 4 in 2012 and the magic of this all-in-one super thin and tiny device kind of wore off by then. However, as new models kept coming out every year, the iPhone and other smartphones increasingly had more and more potential when it came to graphically intensive apps. You could run things on these devices that were originally unheard of to be played on such a small guy. Because of that, developers were able to port over some of their games from home consoles onto smartphones. And that's how some of the magic of the all-in-one nature of the iPhone initially came back into play for me. I can play Grand Theft Auto 3 on my phone on the school bus. That's amazing! Console games on mobile devices. This is a topic I have a lot of experience with. Uh, Back in my high school days, I was super keen on having everything possible on my iPhone at all times. Just so then, oh, when I'm bored, then oh, I have all my favorite console games available on this thing and the third season of Wings, I'm set. The idea of having all these games originally from home consoles on my smartphone at all times with no extra accessories or anything needed, and just being able to whip out my phone and play GTA San Andreas whenever I wanted to, That was amazing. But it also didn't work out as well as I wanted it to. My high school years were from the Wii U's launch in 2012 to Star Fox Zero's release in 2016. The rest was a blur. But I do know from the start, a fair amount of kids had smartphones. By the end, I mean, everybody owned one. Why well, you didn't want to be called a f-ing loser. Because of that, during my high school years, personally, the teachers just kind of gave up on regulating cell phone usage. I mean, like, of course you couldn't use them during a test or during a lecture, but when the teacher was just sitting at their desk or during study hall, hell yeah, man, break out puzzle bits. I was never a huge mobile gamer, but because of high school being worthless and having so much downtime during classes and study hall specifically, those were the years I played mobile games the most. And I noticed the most popular ones were always stupid simple. Stuff like Flappy Bird, Trivia Crack, these dumb games, Geometry Dash, Jetpack Joyride, Subway Surfers, Flappy Golf, the best one. I mean, everybody played games on their smartphones. So obviously the mobile market was something all the big game developers looked at back in 2011 saying, well, we know what we're doing tonight. All of these companies acted like the future of gaming was going to be on mobile. Consoles are dying. This was where the money was. I mean, to be honest, back then I wouldn't blame them for thinking this. An iPhone 4S could run Infinity Blade 2. That's still a pretty decent looking game today and was made by Epic Games basically just to show off how powerful the iPhone could be for gaming. These things could run fairly intensive games and were owned by basically everybody on the planet. So yeah, back then it made sense for some of them to think about shifting focus to mobile. Why make a new Mega Man for consoles when you can make whatever the hell this was. As time went on, however, the more these console developers made games for mobile devices, it was apparent they didn't really know why people played mobile games. They just kind of made either dumbed down versions of their franchises or just mobile versions of console games. Like they just thought, well, we have this well-known IP. We put this on a platform with an install base of hundreds of millions of users. And there we go, we win. It's pretty obvious the app store isn't near nearly as simple as they thought it was, it's a ridiculously complicated ecosystem. Just because everybody owns a smartphone doesn't mean your game will do nearly as well as it would do on console sometimes. Newcomer developers who only really made smartphone games ended up overshadowing the big guys like EA and Capcom. These guys developed simple, intuitive games made for touchscreen controls, while EA just kind of barfed out dead space for iPhone. Of course, now a lot of big name developers have figured out the mobile space, which is why we don't see a mobile version of Rayman 2 anymore, we see Rayman Jungle Run. These console game conversions really didn't suit the mobile market and they've died out considerably over the years. Like I said, I used to be stupid into the idea of playing these games on my wonder slab. So I would generally download any big home console to iPhone game I could find, and normally if they were on sale. However, after scouring through my previously purchased apps, most of these games are lost to time. They've been delisted from the app store or are no longer supported by the current version of iOS. That's a good sign. Just a few of the ones that are no longer available that I remember, Dead Rising Mobile, this Dunk. Clunky and the draw distance of the zombies was just garbage. This was a situation where they could barely do Dead Rising on mobile, but they probably should have waited until they could kind of do Dead Rising on mobile. Burnout Crash. Yeah, this was the burnout game that came out where people said, that's not burnout. Crash mode was one of the most fun parts of these games. Just trying to create the biggest crash you can. Burnout Crash is basically this entire mode, but from an overhead perspective and at a much lower pace, which takes a lot of, if not most of the fun out of Crash mode. The mobile version was pretty similar to the console releases on Xbox Live Arcade and PSN. And I'd argue this worked fairly well as a mobile game. It didn't make it a great game, but it felt well suited for mobile. The Simpsons Arcade, not the Simpsons Arcade, the Simpsons Arcade. This was a reimagining of the original Konami game from 1991. It's obviously based off of the idea of that game, but it's not the same. And it kind of feels more like a scam calling it the Simpsons Arcade. They knew what they were doing. And I'm sure tons of people downloaded this expecting to play the original arcade game and went, oh, Resident Evil 4 Platinum! I know I just totally dogged on Dead Rising Mobile, but for Resident Evil 4 on the iPhone back in 2009, I mean, it works as well as you'd expect it to. I think Dead Rising was far more subpar. This wasn't a good way to play Resident Evil 4 and felt more like Capcom saying, look what we can do. We can put Resident Evil 4 on your phone. We're crazy. They obviously did it to milk Resident Evil 4 for all it's worth, to release a big name game like this on the iPhone to get attention. They didn't release it because they thought the game would work well on the iPhone. But it was fairly novel to have a somewhat faithful mobile version of this game. And it worked to some extent. There was also Resident Evil Mercenaries Versus, for quick mobile gameplay, in my opinion. Battlefield Bad Company 2, that wasn't the worst. That's just scratching the surface of all the junk that's been taken down. There was stuff like Mirror's Edge, which was a 2D platformer. Yeah, that's not Mirror's Edge. Driver, that blew. Guitar Hero, that was actually pretty good. Lego Harry Potter, Doom, Wolfenstein, Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing. You'd think that by now, the console games that were left up on the App Store would be fairly high quality. I mean, they must have left them up for a reason. Well, joke's on you. I just bought Devil May Cry 4 Reframe. This was released back in 2011 and I have no clue why Resi 4 and Dead Rising were taken down, but this lives on. DMC 4 Reframe is fundamentally a super toned down version of DMC 4. And first, let me say, Devil May Cry wasn't the first series I wanted on the iPhone. We have a fake analog stick and a vast array of fake buttons. Comparing a side-by-side with the console version, it covers some of the same ground, but overall it's a much slower, dumbed down clunky alternative. Story is told through text only, only, models are at a far lower resolution. This feels like a relic of the past, a mobile game from back in the day that somehow is still available to purchase. The whole touchscreen analog sticker D-pad sort of thing just doesn't work the greatest, but it varies from game to game. There are some games which are just an absolute train wreck to play with a touchscreen, but then there are others which work surprisingly okay, though they're still not great. You get no tactile feedback, and your fingers almost always cover the screen, making it hard to see everything. You're controlling your character with glass, you can get used to it. I mean, it's obvious these games weren't made with a control scheme like this in mind. Now to be fair, the Sonic the Hedgehog games with this control layout work pretty alright. Most of the time in 2D Sonic games, you're just holding forward and hitting jump. It's not nearly as precise or involved as other platformers, plus you only use one button, so touchscreen controls, while not ideal, Worked fine enough. Sonic 1, 2, and CD were all released on mobile, courtesy of Christian Whitehead, who worked on these versions and then upgraded to developing Sonic Mania. He really hit it out of the park with these re-releases, making them widescreen, giving them higher frame rates, new playable characters. Sonic 2 featured Hidden Palace Zone, a stage that was cut from the original game. These are the best ways to play these classic games. And 1 and 2 are only available on mobile. The Sonic CD remaster came out on consoles. I don't know what the deal with 1 and 2 are. Yes, the best versions of Sonic 1 and 2 deserve the best place to play them a fucking phone. Now, Sonic 1 and 2 were actually originally released on mobile years before they were updated to be the Christian Whitehead versions. Yeah, these weren't great. Sonic Spinball was originally on the App Store, but was later delisted. Damn it! But thankfully, the mobile ports of Sonic 4 remain. Sonic 4 episodes 1 and 2 aren't great games. These were released alongside the console releases of the respective episodes, and weirdly enough, they've fully updated Sonic's model at some point in Episode 1. And honestly, I think because of this, Sonic 4 Episode 1 on mobile now looks better than the console versions. The original release looked perfectly fine in terms of being a mobile version of Sonic 4, as Sonic's model was a bit blocky, but now it looks pretty decent. Doesn't help the fact that it's still, you know, Sonic 4. But if you want to play this game, the mobile release is better than I remember. I do think the touch controls are way worse here than the Christian Whitehead re-releases, but hey, it's Sonic 4, I'm not gonna be playing this again, who cares? Thank God, you can play with tilt controls. That was everybody's problem with Sonic 4 on consoles. They listen, guys. Now, Sega has this new mobile initiative called Sega Forever where they make their mobile games free, but with ads which you can remove by paying for the game. They've made a lot of their classic titles a part of Sega Forever. Tons of these were actually released a while back, much like Sonic 1 2 and Spinball. And they were all obviously cut from the same cloth featuring the same virtual Genesis D-pad and buttons. Now you can play them all for free with ads, which is honestly pretty cool. But they also made some more modern games and games exclusively made for mobile a part of Sega Forever. Super Monkey Ball this was one of the first games shown off for the iPhone. If you remember, the App Store didn't make its debut until 2008, and this was one of the headlining debut games for $10, Jesus. I remember this one never controlled very well. You had to tilt your phone and it never felt calibrated properly. And the monkey was just a 2D sprite inside a ball. Now that's resourceful. This version has since been delisted, but we have another Monkey Ball game still available, which is free, a part of Sega Forever. Super Monkey Ball Sakura Edition is pretty much just a new and improved version of the original Super Monkey Ball mobile game. Better graphics and better controls, but they still require you to tilt your phone. Why do they feel the need with every Monkey Ball mobile game to require me to tilt my phone? I get tilting a Wii remote to play Monkey Ball, but tilting the entire screen just ends up making it harder to see what's actually going on most of the time. and just gets me a headache. I wish they had an option to use a digital analog stick, but hey, this monkey ball game does show me ads after every level, so that counts for something. Dude, communism, yeah. Now, sometimes these mobile conversions of console games can be quite a bit different from the original. Sonic Forces on the App Store is a variation of the mobile game Sonic Dash just now with a Sonic Forces theme. The Need for Speed games are definitely a bit different from their console versions, but hey, racing games definitely work on mobile far better than a lot of other genres. Injustice basically feels like a made from the ground up mobile version of the console release. They basically focused on swiping and tapping the screen for moves. And it works way better than if they just smacked Injustice on the iPhone. You know, if they just downgraded the graphics considerably, put a digital stick and buttons on it and called it a day. Street Fighter 4. You know, Capcom has tried to put a lot of their fighting games on mobile, and a lot of them have been delisted over time. Street Fighter 2 Collection, Street Fighter IV, 4, 4-Volt, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. There was this app called the Capcom Arcade, which included a ton of Capcom Arcade games, most of which were just Street Fighter 2. But here we have Street Fighter 4 Champion Edition, the only one still available in the App Store. Geez, everything is so damn low quality. I'm no Street Fighter aficionado. But a fighting game like this does not work very well with no actual buttons or sticks. Some games work all right with the digital control layout and some games are Street Fighter 4. If they just had to put Street Fighter 4 on mobile, they should have gone the injustice route and designed something from the ground up, not do a straight conversion of the console release. Also, this thing wasn't properly formatted for iPhone tens. What are they trying to tell me? can't see. Capcom's had a messy history with console games on mobile. And my first experience with that was with the original Mega Man 2. This got slammed in reviews. And yes, Mega Man doesn't work very well with the digital D-pad. The game had a portrait mode with this arcade frame. This was cute and garbage. There's no room for your thumbs to use the stick and buttons. It gets cramped. In landscape mode, It was tolerable for me. I remember not being able to do the bird trick, where you hold A and B after selecting a robot master and the stars turn to birds. If I held A and B in the mobile game, it just froze until I let them go. I can see where the low review scores came from. But I got fairly far in this version on a car trip. It wasn't great but it was fine enough. Capcom delisted this one and didn't update it to work with newer iPhones. I will be dead in the ground before I delete this off my phone. However, in 2017, they released Mega Man 1 through 6 for mobile, I can play all of them. I downloaded Mega Man 1 and holy This is even worse than the original Mega Man 2 for mobile. You can adjust the speed of the game, but all three of the speeds are terrible. The normal speed is very in line with how fast the original was, but the frame rate is awful. With the two faster speeds, They just feel it natural. This isn't how I want to play Mega Man. Instead of figuring out how to make a good mobile version of Mega Man 2, or just deciding that mobile doesn't suit the game well, they make worse versions of all the NES games. I also just don't get all the small little edits they made to the game. Like, why is the health bar down in the corner now? Well, Mega Man X is on the app store too, and holy I don't know which is worse. Why did they redo all the sprites? This looks like an online flash game. This feels like a poor man's Mega Man X, and I really don't know why they felt the need to make everything feel so much cheaper and lamer. The original Mega Man 2 release for iPhone came out well before this version of Mega Man X. At least they retained the original graphics. Why they made this game the way it is will always perplex me. Call of Duty World at War Zombies was a big game on mobile. Instead of being a full blown Call of Duty game, it was just the zombies mode where you had to survive as long as possible. I played this a few times in study hall, but like any 3D iPhone game, this tore through battery life. It's been delisted and now we have Black Ops Zombies. It's pretty similar. Controls are decent enough. FPS work far better on mobile than I would ever expect them to, to be honest. And it probably helped that this was specifically made for mobile and not just a straight port of a console game. Speaking of which, Rockstar has brought over tons of their PS2 era games to mobile, Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, San Andreas, even the more obscure ones like Liberty City Stories, the PSP game that later came to PS2, plus Bully and Max Payne. Sure, we've played downgraded to hell PS3 and 360 games and old 2D games as well, but full blown PS2 era games on your phone wherever you go. That was an amazing thought to me. Grand Theft Auto 3 released on the App Store back in 2011 and I immediately bought it. I picked up all the GTAs when they released on mobile and I would start playing them for about 10 minutes and kind of stopped. These are fine versions of these games. Everything's here and they all work well. They just don't feel right or nearly as fun on the iPhone. Maybe it's lack of actual buttons, and no tactile feedback takes a lot of the fun and fluidness out of the controls. You don't get the same impact crashing your car by moving your thumbs on a glass screen as you would holding an actual button and moving an actual analog stick. The entire layout changes when you enter a car. There's a lot of things you can do in Grand Theft Auto, and to have to focus so much on where certain buttons are when they change a fair amount, to have all this crowd up the screen, to have your fingers covering up 40% of it all, it's a bit much. I would get super excited to see these games playable on my phone, but they're just not nearly as fun to play here as they are on a console in my opinion. Chinatown Wars preceded all these games and was the first GTA on iPhone. This was a port of the DS and PSP game and honestly it worked a bit better than the 3D games. Being overhead and already being designed for portable devices with some touchscreen functionality in mind made for a better mobile game in my opinion. But you know what I said when the iPhone came out. Where's Bioshock? This was one of the most bizarre phone conversions out there to me. In 2014, 2K announced they put Bioshock on mobile, the full game. Like kudos to them for getting Bioshock to work on mobile, but who asked for this? I need names. This is the last game I would have expected on the iPhone, a first person shooter with an emphasis on story. I love those things on my iPod touch. They stopped supporting it in 2017, which is unfortunate. This is a really cool oddity of a release, but I can see why it's no more. Of course, there's stuff like all the Telltale games, Minecraft, Fortnite, and various others. I actually played a lot of Ace Attorney on mobile and stuff like Pokemon Shuffle works better on mobile than it did on the 3DS. You also have a ton of Final Fantasy games going for prices I didn't even know were possible on the App Store. But the concept of playing console games on mobile has died down a bit over the past few years especially considering the PSP, Vita, and 3DS started to bring more and more console experiences to handhelds, and then the Nintendo Switch completely flattened any desire for console games on the iPhone. Mobile games do specific things very well. They're simple, addictive, and easy to quickly whip out, which is why now if we see a big game franchise come to mobile, it's usually more smartly designed for mobile. I've had nightmares about some digital D-pads, so it's nice to see they're not as common as they used to be. Now, you may say for a lot of these games, if you don't want a digital D-pad, why not use a Bluetooth controller? Most of these apps support them. That is true, however, in my opinion, a lot of the appeal of something like Grand Theft Auto Vice City on your phone is the fact that you can play this wherever you go with no catches. A lot of that appeal disappears when you have to bring a controller with your places. Most of the time, console games are best left on actual consoles. And while it's cool to see some of them go portable, it's not always worth the downgrades and the control issues, which is why the Nintendo Switch is so fun, portable home console games with no control issues. Maybe lesser graphics, but hey, whatever. These were cool little oddities for a while. But their time has passed, and now, it's nicer to see mobile games specifically designed for mobile. But thank god Carnival Games came to iPhone. Now, like I said, you could buy a controller and set your phone up as if it was a console, but at that point... Just buy a f***ing Switch. But mobile phones do have a pro to them compared to the Switch. They have Atari Fit. Oh, for the love of god, I was supposed to get robbed tomorrow! (gasps) My evening opened up. What am I gonna do now? I can't go, hey all, Scott here. I don't own Lasagna World Tour. False alarm. I lost everything. Well, except what the robber decided to leave. I wonder why. <laughs> Is too convenient. You know what I really need to do is buy a $500 console alongside a two grand TV set by a $60 controller to play this free game for $60. Oh f-ing brilliant. Error. Take it you son of a bitch. I'm not one to make bad decisions. I'm one to buy a ninth Wii U. So the idea of a person paying full price for a game you can get for a dollar or free. I don't even think God planned that one out. Listen, gaming is bigger than it's ever been before. And I think a key part of that massive growth is mobile gaming. Playing games on your smartphone. It counts. I mean, based on how much playtime occurs, I think my mom is a bigger gamer than I am based on Scrabble alone, yet I'm the loser. I feel like core home console gaming and mobile gaming, however, are a bit too different. There's different design philosophies at play and mobile games are all created to be played via just a touchscreen. So while I appreciate that mobile gaming has broadened the video game landscape and do enjoy a few smartphone titles here and there, I think home consoles and mobile work best when separated trailblazer. Every so often, game companies figure that because mobile games do so well, that must mean they should only make mobile games from there on out or incorporate elements of them into their console games or say AAA gaming is dying. All because grandpa bought the bird app for a dollar. Oh my God, the console game industry keeps flip-flopping between accepting what it is and trying to embrace mobile. And don't get me wrong, sometimes it works out, but most of the time it's like, hey, we're gonna put this game on mobile just because mobile is huge, even though it would do 10 times better on console because that's where the target demographic is. I'm not mad about it, I'm just really angry. But what about the inverse of that? What about taking a popular mobile game and putting it on a console? Whoever thought of that should get a Nobel Prize. In hell. Listen, I have a soft spot in my heart for I don't know what else to call it. The golden age of mobile games. That period of time when the iPhone first opened app Store. Come on, everybody remembers those commercials saying how there's an app for everything. When you get an Apple device with the app store available on it, man, I'd just scroll through that thing for hours, finding all kinds of fun free apps or I'd scrounge up enough money to spend a dollar on one. Oh, the quality was horrendous for many of these apps, but it was a fun era. There was this feeling that smartphone apps could do Anything. I downloaded apps that said they were universal TV remotes without any knowledge on how they work. They never did. Then there were the one-time gimmick apps, like, ooh, a lighter. Nowadays, apps all kind of feel the same and games are mostly free, which is cool, but they're all littered with ads. You can't do anything without a 30 second unskippable commercial blocking your way. And many of the most popular games, they all blend in. Back in 2009 or so, the most popular iPhone games were more unique. They were experiences designed specifically for the phone. And I feel like that contributed heavily to their popularity. Angry Birds was the biggest phenomenon, though it was never a favorite of mine. It was fun, addictive, and worked perfectly with a touchscreen only device. Stretch a bird, political violence. The game originally cost 99 cents on the iPhone, $1.99 on the iPad. And there were a few releases in the series. You had the original vanilla Angry Birds, Angry Birds Seasons, which gave you constant updates at new levels based on holidays and the time of year, and Angry Birds Rio. You know, they made a movie based on this game. I never considered this to be a trilogy, more so just variations of the original Angry Birds, but it doesn't matter because Activision did. Angry Birds Trilogy, for only $40, you can waste 37. Yeah, physical releases of the first three games for Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and Nintendo 3DS. Strangely, Wii, Wii U, and PlayStation Vita versions came a year later, considering these were platforms that honestly worked better for Angry Birds with touchscreens and pointer controls. The main selling point of Angry Birds trilogy is to play it on a TV. Was it worth it? No. Don't get me wrong. I see value in playing this game on the TV. You know, pass the controller around, try to beat each other's high scores, but it's just so clunky here. What used to be a game with the simplest control method imaginable now uses literally every face button on the controller. That is impressive. I'd say the Wii and Wii U versions make the most sense. this release is nice as it does preserve three of the biggest mobile games ever. Some of which have been delisted and discontinued from the app stores. Yeah, I'll give this release that. It keeps the Angry Birds Rio dream alive But no matter what, I can't look past the fact that while this is a collection of games, it's a collection of games that retail for $3 total, $6 max buying the iPad versions. In fact, Trilogy was missing some levels from the original game. Some exclusive bonus levels are included, but Does that really matter with Angry Birds? It's not like these levels are vastly different enough to make you think, Wow, new level designs? You don't really care about the design itself. The fun of new levels in Angry Birds is the idea you have a new box to check off. Ooh, a new stage to be and get three stars in? Do you really have a favorite stage in the game? Can you tell the difference between ears of corn? Because if you give me a bonus ear of corn, I'm not going to be like, Oh my God, a new corn? No, it's just, okay, it's just another ear of corn for me to eat the bonus stages in Angry Birds trilogy. It's a fine release. I mean, the Angry Birds series are solid games. It would have been cool to get games made specifically for consoles rather than just the mobile games all over again. And the initial price point of $40, no matter who you were, was hard to swallow. So Activision listened and they knew a trilogy of games wasn't enough for that price point. They charged more for one. Angry Birds Star Wars for $50 released one year later for pretty much every console at the time. I feel like they wanted to push to be there for the PS4 and Xbox One's launch and they knew they could go consumers into buying into it. But the birds will be pissed. The fact they pretty much sold a single $1 mobile game for $50 when at the very least they could have included Angry Birds Star Wars 2 in the package, considering that came out a few months prior to this console release, I'll throw Angry Birds Space in there. It's pretty dumb. Like who the hell would buy this? Ignore that question, but disregarding all of that, Angry Birds Star Wars does offer family fun for less than most AAA games. Multiplayer is now included, which adds so much value to the game, even though it's literally just passing the controller to the other player for their turn, which you never needed a multiplayer mode to do that before, but it's a fantastic addition to a solid game. That's how some reviews of this read and I don't get it. To be fair, I think most saw this as ridiculous. And if it actually sold well, I think we would have seen far more physical Angry Birds releases by now. They were always banking on these games, luring in parents that know nothing, but their kid likes Angry Birds and maybe their kid's name. All without realizing you'd spend $90 on both releases when these would all cost you $4 on the App Store. But then again, it's good to know these games will forever be preserved via these physical methods. I'm sleeping well tonight. Alright, enough about the pissy chicken saga. Let's talk about the best mobile game. Cut the Rope hit the scene around the same time as Angry Birds and I always preferred it. A very simple yet engaging puzzle game. Nab all three collectible stars by cutting the ropes, holding the candy to get it to the monster Om Nom's mouth. You know, a bunch of nine-year-olds see this game and go, oh my childhood. But no guys, let's give Cut the Rope more credit. I mean, I think this is so much better than Angry Birds. It's so smartly designed and unlike that game, I remember so many of these levels. The gimmicks they employ, the sound effects, music, the visuals and animation are phenomenal for a mobile game released in 2010. <laughs> Even in general, they're fantastic. And the fact this game could not work as well without a touchscreen, it just makes this one of my top mobile games of all time. If this was never a mobile game, it was just a DS game published by Nintendo, you would all eat it up, every one of you. But you know the old saying, if it's good, make it bad. Cut the Rope launched on the Nintendo DSi shop channel in September of 2011. I should know, I bought it back then. I think you could all tell. I don't know, I knew I liked Cut the Rope on my iPod touch and I wanted it on my DSi at the time, or Nintendo 3DS to be more exact. It is a pixelated, choppy as hell, dumbed down version of Cut the Rope but it still cut the rope. They translated it over to the DS as well as they could, honestly. Going for the horizontal book style, it works well enough, albeit there's no reason to play this if you already had an iPhone or iPod touch at the time. I think one of the reasons I picked this up was due to the lack of software on 3DS at the time. So I went, yeah, sure, this will lead in my buyer's remorse. But of course I could tell this was a heavily watered down port. I kind of wondered why didn't they just make cut the rope for the 3DS entirely? Well, it's my lucky day eight years ago. In 2013, we got cut the rope, Triple. Treat a physical 3DS game. I thought this was an entirely new cut the rope game made specifically for the 3DS. Triple Treat is like Angry Birds Trilogy. Three cut the rope mobile games converted to a video game system. In this case, the 3DS. The back screenshots have these 3D models of Omnom and I thought like, okay, that must be a new bonus side game or something. Each game is played on the bottom touchscreen, with the top being a completely superfluous 3D model of Omnom. When it gets the candy on the bottom screen, it gets it on the top. So it's sort of like the top screen is an extreme close-up, though it's delayed enough to not make for a cool effect. This isn't a bad game by a long shot. It runs much better than the DSi version. Plus you get two other games, a collection of promotional animations, later boards. I really do think Cut the Rope is a good puzzle game, but playing on the 3DS doesn't benefit the experience at all. If anything, it's worse due to the lesser touchscreen. For $30 at launch, again, it's a bit much. It's not like you wouldn't get $30 of use out of this thing. I mean, the back of the box boasts over 50 hours of gameplay. Yeah, I got four years out of my $10 box cutter. Does that make it worth 900? Sticking to the 3DS, let's try out Doodle Jump Adventures. Also released in 2013 alongside a DS version, Doodle Jump Journey plus Doodle Jump for Connect for Xbox 360. Jesus, that was a big year for this stuff. Did everybody collectively go, let's make worse versions of our mobile games and charge 30 times more. <laughs> Minds think alike, Doodle Jump, is an endurance test. Tilt your device and see how high you can go. There's not much to it. This is one of those games you see all these adaptations and merch of because companies see it as a big phenomenon when I think it did well because it was a simple game on the app store during a time when people would download damn near anything if it was free. So of course it got a 3DS game and a Hot Topic T-shirt. Yeah, it's Doodle Jump now taking place across two screens which honest to God is kind of disorienting. Adventures refers to the campaign which are literally just Doodle Jump stages with definitive ends and that's it. Move on onto the next one basically the same thing is doodle jump adventures worth it let's be fair here, though sometimes the transition to consoles can go quite smoothly here we have fruit ninja connect oh he's not a ninja he's a fruit ninja oh Bad ass. This is one of the best conversion ideas. Fruit Ninja was all about swiping combos of fruit while avoiding missing any and bombs, but Kinect for Xbox 360 gives you the exact game, but you use your body now, karate chopping the fruit away. It's honestly one of the best uses for Kinect and is truly distinctive enough from the mobile release to be completely warranted here. Fruit Ninja for PlayStation Vita is literally the exact same thing as the iPhone release at the time. So bravo, it was a flawless conversion. But why do this in the first place? oh so it's the exact same game downloadable only no new control options featured anything for eight dollars at least with angry birds trilogy and star wars you had the excuse of them being on home consoles for the first time Wait, actually, Angry Birds was made available on the PS3 and PSP stores separately as early as 2011. Almost seems like there was a push by Sony to have some popular mobile games on the PS3 because around this time, Jetpack Joyride hit the system. While overpriced and offering nothing new, these versions I think feel pretty genuine as downloadable games from this era. The same goes for Flight Control, which released on DSiWare, WiiWare, and PlayStation 3, only in Europe and Japan for some reason. No market for it in the US. In Europe, they won't shut the fuck up about it. Games like Pac-Man 256 released on ps PS4 and Xbox One after the mobile version without any microtransactions or advertisements with controller support for just one low price, which this game works great in both contexts as a quick pick up and play mobile game and as a fun content complete downloadable console release. It proves there's genuinely really quality stuff on mobile, stuff that can work just as great on consoles as well. Game Loft is the leading supplier of mobile games. They've always been that, just a D-grade Ubisoft clone who pumps out unoriginal, uninspired mobile rip-offs of more popular console games. A lot of their games aren't horrible or anything, but they're just nothing sacks of not. And their premier series has always been Asphalt, basically your mobile phone alternative to Need for Speed. This is a long-running series, but who gives a sh**? The original Asphalt, Urban GT, and Urban GT 2 released on Nintendo DS actually before cell phones, Though so starting with Asphalt 3, it became a completely mobile-focused series. The games like Asphalt 4 hit the Nintendo DSi shop, and Asphalt 6, the Nintendo 3DS as a launch title. Asphalt 3D. This was one of the first 3DS games I bought, mainly because it was the only game I could afford after already picking up Wings Resort. After reading Oedipus Rex, I said I too should have a tragic ending. I remember not having any opinions on this game, and frankly, that's how I feel about this entire series. It's such a soulless car game. There's nothing unique about it. It gets the job done. Like if you have a pheromone release when you see a car move, sure. But Ridge Racer 3D launched right alongside the 3DS 2 So it's like, why not go for that one? I'll tell you why, because Asphalt is always cheap or free. That's how they get you. Asphalt 9 was a mobile game converted to the Nintendo Switch and it's more of the same, but this time it's free to play. Again, it's playable, it works, it does the job, but there's something about these games that always makes me feel like I'm wasting my time playing them. And I just beat Ride to Hell Retribution. Now why does game law bring these games to consoles? Well, it's usually if they think they can fill a certain void. Case in point, modern combat blackout on Nintendo Switch. This series is to Call of Duty what Asphalt is to Need for Speed. Who the hell likes this series? They to put your damn hands down. If you want to Call of Duty-like experience on your smartphone. Here you go. Call of Duty. Even the title is just a rip off of Modern Warfare. And again, the games, they're fine, but they review surprisingly well. And I think that is entirely due to the fact that they're good for mobile games. But then when they brought it to Nintendo Switch, (laughs) the cracks start to show with games like this in Asphalt when you put them on an actual console. And the only reason they put Modern Combat on the Nintendo Switch was due to the lack of Call of Duty. There was no legitimate game from the series on the platform at the time. And people wanted a first person shooter experience like that to play. Gameloft saw the opportunity and quickly put a mobile game from 2014 on the system for $20. Take notes, Sophocles. It's not great. In fact, it feels pretty pathetic. I wish they'd put more effort into redesigning the menus of these mobile games when converting them to Console, it's just so painfully obvious when something was designed for a touchscreen. And even the controls, while functional, I feel like they were designed to mimic regular FPS controls, but compensating for the clunkiness of the touchscreen, but then letting you use a controller for it. It's so hard to explain, I don't even know what I'm talking about! Unfortunately, many developers just port over mobile games to the Nintendo Switch, and it's always this really underwhelming feeling when it happens. The system was marketed as a home console, and I'll always see it as that, but when a great handful of games are just mobile ports, There's nothing special feeling about that. Being able to play a mobile game on Switch gives me no joy. There's no feeling of look at what I'm doing, ma. To which he says, Scott, I don't care. You're playing Shinsekai into the depths on Switch. That's been on iPhone for a year. Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition was a mobile conversion of Final Fantasy XV, and instead of the actual Final Fantasy XV on Nintendo Switch, we got this version, and I'm sad. There's. Nothing special about any of this, especially if these versions are replacing getting the traditional edition of the game. Then it's more of a slap in the face compared to not getting any version at all. Football Manager Touch, yeah, the stripped down mobile version of Football Manager. Xbox got a version made specifically for it titled Xbox Edition, the Nintendo Switch. They're not even trying to hide it. And then the Pokemon spin spin-offs. There's a ton that release simultaneously on mobile and Switch and they either feel out of place on mobile or out of place on Switch. And now to be fair, they normally launch on Switch first, but you can't. Can't fool me, games like Pokemon Quest and Pokemon Cafe Mix were designed for mobile first. Just look at them. It's unfortunate because we used to get so many Pokemon spin-offs of all kinds for the Game Boy Advance, DS, Nintendo 64, GameCube, Wii, and now while we still get some big boy spin-offs, a lot of Pokemon spin-offs are relegated to being free-to-play mobile games that get a half-assed Switch version to throw us a bone. But in reality, I think this just opens these games up to more criticism. Again, look at the differences between the review scores of Modern Combat on mobile and Mario combat on Switch. You become a lot more critical when you play a mobile game on a console like this. But that's just a testament to how big mobile has become. It's impossible to ignore and a franchise like Pokemon makes perfect sense for the platform. Mobile franchises become so big that we end up getting things like Puzzle & Dragon Super Mario Brothers Edition. Yeah, a mobile game turned 3DS game with an official Nintendo license on it all. I have no idea if I like how this game looks or not. Well, something like this is far more understandable becoming a retail game, especially considering it was made from the ground up for the console, like VR spin-offs or stuff like the Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare series. Plants vs. Zombies wasn't a mobile game first, but it hit the platform way before consoles. And Plants vs. Zombies 2 is only a mobile game, I'll count it. To be honest, most versions of this game work fairly well. The touchscreen of the Nintendo DS, the version for Xbox 360 was very fine-tuned. It feels great here, but the third-person shooter spin-off, well, that does make a bit more sense for the system. But hey, what if mobile games had their own dedicated system? No, nuh-uh. Christ, yes. Take me back to 2013 when every company was making micro consoles literally only capable of streaming Netflix, and even then, some of them couldn't do that. These $100 systems were based on mobile operating systems, so they'd have some mobile games retooled to work on a TV, and in their marketing, they basically said, Who needs a PS4 when you can play Crossy Road on this $99 back scratcher? Again, it can't even do that. Here's the thing I think many companies don't understand what makes mobile games successful and just think, Oh, that means everybody loves this. Put it everywhere. Listen, man, I I play Flappy Dunk on my iPhone all the time, but it's more of a nervous tick than a, oh, I love this game. I just want something to do with my fingers, stimulate my eyes for a brief moment. Does that mean I'm a big fan? No, it just means I have more to work on mentally than I thought. When Flappy Bird was the biggest sensation for no other reason than it was a bitch hard and all the high school students and coworkers were saying, hey, I got four points in Flappy Bird. No, I got 10. The developer removed it from the app store afterwards. And when Amazon got the exclusive sequel, Flappy Bird's Family for the Amazon Fire TV, who really gave a mobile games are so much less engrossing than normal console releases. I play mobile games very infrequently, but when I do, I'm not super into them. I know they're just for quick distractions, even if they're legitimately well-designed experiences. So banking on popular mobile games to sell well in any context doesn't really work. Just because these games did well on mobile, it doesn't mean they'll elicit the same reactions on consoles, but that also holds true for console games making the jump to mobile as well. So how about if they jump back? Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. All the PlayStation 2 Grand Theft Autos were remade for mobile devices. Let me tell you, I bought Grand Theft Auto 3 immediately when that released on iPhone in 2011. I mean, that was a dream come true to be able to play a PlayStation 2 game on the go. And it 100% was that, but it just didn't feel right played on a touch screen. Like an idiot, I proceeded to buy every Grand Theft Auto that released on mobile afterwards and always had the same reaction. But San Andreas has always been my favorite Favorite of the series and shortly after the mobile release a new version for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 launched which Was the mobile version. What the hell was this? I guess they wanted to do a remaster of San Andreas and just figured the mobile version was good enough But like I said when you do a mobile to console conversion at least change the menus It's so obvious when menus were designed for mobile. This just doesn't Feel right. You converted a game that used the controller to work with the touchscreen, but then converted that version back to work with just the controller. I don't know why, it just feels weird. And on top of that, it's just not a good version. There's so many bugs and glitches and the game crashes constantly. It just doesn't work well. I have no idea why they even made this. It came out after the Xbox One and PS4 for the PS3 and Xbox 360. They only remastered San Andreas and not the other games from that generation, which also got mobile ports. So this gets the same reaction nearly all these other games got from me. Why the Most mobile to console conversions inherently feel lazy. And that's just the stigma with most mobile releases. They're always seen as lesser than console ones. And sometimes they are, but sometimes they aren't. And hey, what else was I gonna do at the apartment today? Take a bath? The rumors are true. I was robbed. But if today taught me anything, it's that no matter how bad your day gets, you're doing better than the guy that bought this.